This is the Evolve Marriage Podcast, episode 37. Today we're talking with certified Gottman therapist, Zach Brittle. Uh, we're tapping into repair versus resolve and how to lean into your discomfort in order to grow your marriage. Hi, this is Kate. And this is Eric. And this is the Evolved Marriage Podcast. Where we have fun with growth and connection. Thanks for joining us. All right, let's go. All right, everyone. So welcome. Thank you so much for listening in again this week on the Evolved Marriage Podcast. Uh, this week, I'm going solo. Uh, so we've been doing a lot of kind of our interviews with different speakers and guests, uh, really having a lot of fun with it, which has been really great. And today I have a really good friend of mine that I've had the you know privilege and pleasure of knowing for a while, uh, Zach Brittle. So Zach is a certified Gottman therapist. He's a best-selling author of two books, The Relationship Alphabet and The Marriage Therapy Journal. He's been counseling and coaching couples for almost 20 years. He has been happily married to his wife, Rebecca, for 22 of 24 years. Uh, they live in Seattle with their two adulting daughters. Zach also has a very popular podcast called Marriage Therapy Radio that he co-hosts with Laura Heck. And one of the awesome things that I dive into regularly with my wife just to have a good laugh is they've done videos with Vanity Fair where they kind of deconstruct famous relationships we see in pop culture around Disney. Uh, he's done a kind of a Twilight series around Friends, which, dude, I got to say, they're absolutely hilarious and I absolutely love them. So welcome, Zach. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for having me. This is this is fun. It's cool to see you in your natural environment, your natural habitat. <laughs> Thanks, man. So, you know, you, you kind of heard me kind of go through your bio and, and explain that. But, you know, I guess my first question is, what's something that you'd like our listeners to know about you that maybe is not in your bio that maybe people couldn't find about you online? Gosh, so I I get a lot of um, credit for being an expert in the marriage field. And what I want to always say is that uh, professional expertise is not the same as personal mastery. So um, if you ask my wife if I'm an expert in marriage, she probably would chuckle or chortle at you. But um, that's why I say we've been happily married 22 out of 24 years. We took two years off, number eight, I think, and number 18. We're both pretty crappy. It's not necessarily what I want people to like, I would like you to know this about me, but I think it's important to differentiate kind of in the same way that you and Kate do. Like we're just fumbling through it together. I just happen to have collected a bunch of knowledge and wisdom around uh, relationships in general. And so that's, that's my day job. And then I got to still go home and figure out how to make it work. You know? So my kids are pretty cool. They're both girls, 15 and 18, but I'm generally pretty boring. Like I go to work, I come home, I do my stuff. I like crossword puzzles. I play chess online, you know, so I'm just, uh, I'm just a regular, regular dude. Who's just trying to figure out how to make it work like everybody else. I totally agree, man. I remember when Kane and I first started kind of our own journey of growth and, and trying to really go from, you know, total garbage truck on fire, driving off a cliff type of marriage to what we have now, which I think is amazing. We thought, you know, we were reaching out to other couples. We thought other people had it all together, right? Especially people in the space of personal growth where it was like, man, you guys are amazing. I'm watching all this stuff on Instagram and you guys have it all together. Like something's wrong with Kate and I, like we're totally broken and crappy. And when we started to really kind of turn over all the rocks, you know, we started to realize like, oh, like these problems are present, right? Especially around John Gottman, where he talks about like conflict never goes away. I remember, and you know, we're going to talk a little bit about it today, but I had this idea that at some point or another in my marriage, I would solve conflict, right? Like it would just be gone forever. Yeah. And I think it was, it was quite, um, I don't know if it's a, I want to say a breath of fresh air, but it was definitely a bit of an epiphany to understand like, oh, conflict will be ever present, but yeah. how we navigate through <clears throat> conflict after conflict can evolve. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, people have this, I think conflict resolution is mostly a myth. You know, it's why I think in the Gottman method, we talk quite a bit about managing conflict, not resolving conflict. 
And I say a lot, I say often like repair is more important than resolve. Repair is more important than resolve. Repair is more important than resolve because you can, you know, you can resolve an argument. One of you wins, one of you loses, and then you go to bed mad as hell about it. So you, you've got the resolution, but you don't have repair. And I'll trade repair for resolution any day. Yeah, man, I agree. And that's something that I took away from you when we talked uh, just, I think a couple of years ago, you brought that up. And again, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, that makes total mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And I think especially, right, as men, like, I don't want to say the masculine, but really like as men, we love logic, right? We love to solve problems. Sure. And I think about right, this idea where I'm like, hey, eventually if I can solve what this problem is in my marriage, it'll go away. And in those moments, I don't necessarily show up as a way that's connected with Kate, right? I'm really just about driving this point forward. How do we get rid of this problem? How do we do X, Y, and Z? And then make an agreement so I can hold you to your word. So this never comes up again. And if it does, it's your fault, right? And that's that's me and my worst, man. Yeah, no, I think again, it's a myth. If I had a little pithy saying, it's soothe is more important than solve, right? To soothe the conflict is more important than to than to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. You've seen a lot of couples in your practice. I I guess my question for you is how do you navigate people that come to you with this idea that I need to solve something that's broken? Part of what I get to do every day is just sort of normalize the struggle for people. Um, So they come in and they, they, there's, there's a list of about a half a dozen sort of primary opening volleys for couples that come into therapy. And I generally land in the exact same place, which is most of us, when we get married, we say something like, uh, I'm going to do this for better and for worse. And I think that that is a really important concept is this idea of better because, you know, better doesn't mean best and it doesn't mean fixed. It just means better. It just means better yesterday than today or better last week than the week before. And when it's broken, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's broken. Like, why do you think you should know how to do this? Nobody taught, taught us how to do this. Most of us, we tell parents stories about our parents' marriage. It's not often glowing. I mean, I have I hear very rarely stories about people's parents that are just like, oh, my parents were amazing and everything I ever knew, you know, like, so we we have this theory that we should know this stuff already, but I don't know why we would, why we think we should know this stuff already. So it's important to get smarter and to get more context and to collect more vocabulary, but really just to kind of chase better. Yeah, dude, I, I really appreciate you saying that. And I, I do think this idea, that's why Kate and I, you know, we literally call it evolved marriage because we always think about evolving. You know, one, one of the quotes that I love that really speaks to me, I think it's Esther Perel that says it, but she talks about how you typically, you know, you'll have three marital relationships in your life uh, and it's up to you if you want to have with the same person. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember for a long time in my marriage, and I don't know if you've come across a lot of this, but I remember there was always this conversation that I was having with people where I wanted to go back. I was like, oh, if only it could be the way it was, you know, and like, I just want to go back there before kids. And that was the energy that we had. And what I didn't realize at the time was that you know, my marriage was evolving to something different and that we would have a different, Mm -hmm. probably more powerful relationship, more connected relationship in the future than we ever had in the past. And I've noticed that we're experiencing that. And I often think about what the future holds in terms of like where we're going to evolve. And so for me, I've been able to accept these hardships, the, this kind of, for lack of a better term, like sitting in the shit with it in order to continue to grow. So I'm wondering how you help couples kind of play the long game and see the long term instead of just kind of seeing this as, you know, because a lot of couples I assume come to you, they want to fix, they want a quick fix. And then they're like, how do we just deal with this and then move away from it instead of focusing on the long game? Yeah. I mean, I play a dirty trick on couples almost every time. So when I first get to know a couple, they're coming to my office, I, I get, I collect a certain amount of data and then I'll say, Hey, why don't you just tell me your story? Like, just tell me who you are, where you come from, how you met that whole bit. And they start telling me their story. And I always make sure to ask them about their parents. And I'm like, tell me about your parents. Like, what was their relationship like? And 
And, you know, I hear, I've heard dozens and dozens of these stories and, you know, the first sentence is usually their parents' marital status, you know, and then the next is like the reality, you know, so somebody might say, oh, my parents are still married. I don't know why, blah, 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 blah. But, but, but what I do is I, I get them to tell me their story. And then I, a little bit later, I go, Hey, you know what? In about 10 or 15 years, your, your adult children are going to be in some therapist's office. And the therapist is going to say, tell me about your parents. And they're going to be talking about you. They're going to say words and they're going to tell stories. And you think about the story you just told me about your parents. Like, do you think your parents would be happy about that? Sad, embarrassed, angry, proud? Like what would, but, but, but if you were proud of what your, what your kids say, if like you were really excited about what they said, what would that be? What would they say? What, what would you want them to say about you? And then they have, all of a sudden they have a vision for the long game, right? All of a sudden they can go, oh, because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Right. And I go, now let's talk about, I don't want you to tell me what they're going to say now. I already know what they're going to say now. I already know they're going to, what they're going to say about your conflict and how you get along and whether your friendship's intact. But now we have a map of where you are and where you want to be. And I really do think that therapy works best or actually anything works best. Any resource works best when you can sort of convince yourself that this is a before and after moment in your relationship. You know, before this workshop, our relationship was like this. After the workshop, it was like that. You know, before therapy was like this, after therapy was like that, before we took that, you know, sabbatical, our relationship was like this. And then after it was like that, I think you really do have to have that kind of mentality because we do, we all do have those before and afters in our relationship. They're already there before your relationship, you, Eric, before you had kids, your relationship was like this after it was like that, you know, before you and me both quit drinking, our relationship was like this afterwards. It was kind of like that. Like there's, there's lots, there's enough of these. And I think if therapy or intervention is going to be helpful, you almost have to be like, but what is it then? We changed our mindset. We changed our intention. We changed our outlook. And then we changed our behavior. That's how I get them to play the long game. Just by saying, hey, this is the thing that is definitely going to happen. Your kids are going to talk about you. I know for a fact that if I told you about my parents and they were a fly on the wall, that they would be pretty embarrassed. I don't want that for my kids. I 100% agree. And that really hits home with me because I I think when Kate and I decided to keep our marriage together, a huge part of it was, you know, the example we wanted to give to our kids. And we had a very challenging conversation around it. You know, we decided to stay together, obviously, but I think our conversation more centered around how do we want our kids to view us as human beings? If we decide to stay in this marriage and we just end up being angry for the rest of our lives and being resentful and hating each other, and we continue to go down this road and stay married, is that really better than being able to say like, hey, you know what? We tried this. It didn't work. And I'm actually going to go create my own happiness. We're going to actually decide to be amazing co-parents instead of sticking together. That was a that was a big conversation for us. And that was extremely challenging because I think I was, you know, for me, I had a big part of my identity was around being married. Mm. right? And now this was like my whole identity was falling apart. No, and talk about having your identity and being married. I mean, I'm a freaking expert, you know? And so I have to like grapple with imposter syndrome and the, the, the notion that I might be a fraud all the time. And so I have to play the long game. I have to go, nope, my, like, there's something, there's something at the end of the road here and it's not just my job. So let, let me ask you this, Zach, I, you know, personally, I want to tap into a little bit of your knowledge uh, just to help me out, which I love to do on these podcasts. Huge part of the reason why I invite uh, people that have so much knowledge. You know, one of the things that I find happens in my marriage with Kate is I think about growth in a very isolated way, right? Oftentimes when I think about growing, I'm like, hey, so I'm going to go do this work on my own and then I'm going to bring it to the marriage. 
And one of the big challenges that I have is that, you know, Kate and I can grow together, but because we're not kind of at the same pace, it's like, I can't do it with her. Mm. Right. And I talk to a lot of men like this, right. Of like, Hey, my wife's not really on board. And Kate is fully into personal growth, but she has a lot of strengths and I have a lot of strengths and sometimes they're different. One of the challenges that I have is how do I use growth and really embrace this idea of connection through our growth together instead of thinking that I always have to be going at it on my own? I think uh, one thing that I believe is that, so my target for my own personal marriage, and I think for my clients is the idea of an emotionally intelligent marriage. And I think an emotionally intelligent marriage is made up of emotionally intelligent people. Fun marriages, fun people. Adventurous marriages, adventure people, sexy marriages, like struggling marriages are generally made up of struggling people. Um, and you know what, you can kind of be all of those, right? You can be struggling and emotionally intelligent. Like it's, that's just the reality of it. But I think the thing I love about emotional intelligence as a concept or a driver is that you can evolve it. It can get better. It can be a thing that you learn and a thing that you grow. And that, that works for different people in different ways. For some people, it's education. For some people, it's exercise. Could be meditation, medication, therapy, you know, prayer, whatever it is. But I think I always want and believe in a marriage process. I, I have a better hope for it when I'm when I'm sure that both partners are trying to become emotionally intelligent or trying to become better. Let's go back to that metaphor, right? Just better. Gosh, we, we want a more adventurous marriage. So I'm trying to learn more about adventure. And you know that looks different for different people. And I think part of what we need to embrace or hope for is that that we're in a parallel process, right? It doesn't matter if you're kind of ahead or behind if we're moving in the same direction. And the reality is, as you know, we vacillate. Some of us are, you know, we have periods of strength and some of us have periods of struggle and maybe they don't line up exactly. But, you know, ideally, even if you were in a team where you're rowing a crew boat and one of you is struggling, well, the other one has to row a little harder. And then maybe the other one gets enough strength back and you row. So I don't know how it works exactly, but I think if you're in parallel and you have a shared vision and you can look across the relationship and, and appreciate that the other person is working, then yeah, growth is absolutely a part of the process. What would you suggest? I mean, as I'm kind of thinking about myself, when I'm, when I'm really not at my healthiest, right? I don't give Kate a lot of grace, right? Okay. Sometimes I find myself, you know, we're growing together and we made this agreement to grow. And then I feel like based on my own perception, right? And my own metrics of measure, that she's not kind of doing her side of the bargain. And in those moments, I really need to kind of step back and, and really be graceful with Kate in terms of, hey, she's kind of doing her own thing. And she does the same for me, right? When I'm in a funk and I'm not yeah. sticking to my agreements. I would almost reverse engineer it a little bit. It's almost like if you're not doing well, or rather, let me let me say it this way. If you get snappish or you know lack, lack of gracious with Kate and she looks at it, wouldn't it be cool if what her response was, hey man, what's going on? Are you doing okay? Seems like maybe, do you need a sandwich? Nap? Hug? Do you need to get on a call? I think when we can learn enough about our own processes and our own self-awareness, and we as partners can help each other protect the relationship from really, I mean, what you're talking about is like, you're not doing well, so you act like a little shit, right? Like that's kind of what you're talking about. So when 100%. we see our partners acting like a little, like a little shit, we go, hey, I can actually meet you. I can meet you and act like a bigger little shit. But but what I'm saying is like when somebody shows up with us and they're and they're showing up in a way that's like kind of crappy, we can choose to show up in the crappy way and we can escalate that if we want to. Or we can go, oh, I see what's happening here. You're not doing well. Maybe you need something that I have for you, you know, or maybe you need me to row a little harder, or maybe you do need a sandwich or a nap. 
you know, um, but you definitely don't need me to tell you to pull it together and shape up or ship out, right? That's not going anywhere good. You know, this kind of plays along with the theme of what we talked about earlier, the idea of kind of repair versus resolve, mm-hmm. right? I think repair is about connection, right? That's where the emotional intelligence is. That's how do we connect in this moment. And resolve is how do I solve this, right? How do I try to get rid of this problem? And I think in that moment that we were just talking about, the same two options are available. How do I solve your attitude so you can continue to do mm-hmm. what we agreed to do? Or how do I try to create a bit of repair to see exactly what's going on and get curious and focus on this moment of connection instead of trying to drive, you know, my end results, which is to solve a problem. Yeah. Right? What I'm not going to let you do is ruin my progress. When you are acting out, I'm not going to let you bait me into playing your silly game. I'm going to actually just see if I can step up and provide some value here. That's really yeah. cool. That's when couples begin to crack the code. Right. It's almost like they're a little bit Zen. Totally. And yeah, Kate and I talk a lot about differentiation and I'm sure we could have a whole episode around kind of emotional fusion because Kate sure. and I still fall into that. But I, I know I don't want to take up too much more of your time, man. I, I guess, you know, if I had one last question for you, let's say you were kind of in a funk, you were so focused on repair, resolving a problem in your marriage, and instead you wanted to move towards really thinking about connection and playing the long game and how to be more emotionally intelligent as a partner. What's some advice that you would give our listeners in terms of what actions they can take right now or start implementing in their life? To me, it comes back to this. I shared this story the other day. I think maybe you heard it, maybe you didn't, but this is this blows my mind. Um, it, it happened to me. Rebecca and I, we got into a little shit fit about something that was not all that big of a deal, but I got super defensive about it because I was hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And I was just feeling, I was in a hurry. I was Literally, I was in a hurry. I had to get married to soccer practice on time. You know, we, we argued about whatever it was. And I was like, I, forget it. I'm out of here. And I slammed the door and I took off. I just peeled out of the driveway and whatever. So I got to the um, the stoplight and picked up my phone. And there was a whole string of texts from her that were like, I hate it when you do that. I wish you weren't so you know angry and defensive and you didn't need to slam the door. And this isn't really fair, you know, whatever. And I was like, I did not slam the door. I, I typed it really fast because the light was about to change. And I put my phone down. And I drove the next stoplight. I picked up my phone again. And there's this whole string of texts from Rebecca. And it said, thank you so much. I really appreciate it when you do that. It means a lot to me when you own your stuff. This is really hard. We'll figure it out. I love you. I'll see you later. And I was like, what, what just happened? I don't even know what just happened. Like this. I'm so, cause I still, I'm still like super angry. I, I think I'm right. I'm dug in. I'm still mad at her. I'm, I'm flooded. I'm hot. Well, I look at my text and it said, my thumbs didn't type the word not. So it said, I did slam the door right? So that's the message she got from me completely in spite of myself. And I'm, I'm, I'm furious. I'm mad at my thumbs. I'm mad at her. I'm mad at my brain. I don't know what to do, but I'm not going to double down at that point. Instead, I just I decided to lead it, lean into it. And I said, I know I don't need to get spun up about this. It's not your fault. We'll figure it out. Uh, you know, I love you too. I'll see you later. And what's been blowing my mind about it is, and I think this is the answer to your question is, it doesn't matter how you get to the better story just get to the better story. Like give yourself, give her, give him, whatever, the benefit of the doubt. Because once you get there, you can actually do the thing that's required. Like a little bit later, I, like when we finally had the calm, collected, reasoned discussion, I got what I wanted in, completely in spite of myself. So, so if I'm talking to someone about what to do when you're spun up or you feel like nothing you do is working, what if you just surprised her with even a typo, <laughs> right? Or, you know, you came home a little bit earlier and said, you know what? I probably, I probably blew that. I probably didn't need to overreact like that. I mean, it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. 
this means you're open to being in a relationship with this person because repair is more important than resolve. And I could have resolved the issue real fast. I could have just said, look, here's the credit card bill. See, I paid it right there or something like that. But we still would have been in this disconnect. But instead, my thumbs betrayed me and ended up in the better story. And it's just made me convinced now that it doesn't matter how you get there. It matters that you get there and that you prioritize just staying in sort of a peaceful conversation that earns you the right to be to be right about the problem. Yeah. And then maybe like the resolution can happen after the repair, right? Totally. Well, it can't happen before the repair. Yeah. And <laughs> so we, we did a whole episode on this based on your advice that you had given me so long mm-hmm. ago, which is like, yeah, we go for repair before every time. I, I absolutely love what you're saying. And and I'll kind of end it on this because I, I see myself sometimes where I'm extremely frustrated about a situation and I almost go against my animal programming and I go back to Kate and I repair and I tell her, right, we're open about our emotions. I'm like, I'm angry. I'm very angry about this. But what I got to tell you is the way I spoke to you is totally inappropriate. It's not okay that you live in a home with a person who's yelling at you. I got to own that, but I'm angry yeah, and I I'm going to go take a walk. <laughs> you can be angry and kind. I mean, and I like, think before, right, it was like, if I'm angry, I need to be validated. I need to convince yeah. Kate that it's okay for me to be angry. And that was all kinds of nice guy crap. And uh, I dude, love Terry I just, Real. Terry Real is a great therapist and he talks about um, you can be right or you can be married. It's good. Yeah. I think I've tried to be, be right way too much. And now I just love being married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, brother, dude, this has been amazing, man. Where, where can our listeners find you? I know you do so many amazing things, but where's, uh, well, the coolest would be to, I mean, marriage therapy radio is our weekly podcast. that comes out every week and we, we have a lot of fun with that. I am still trying to, uh, get my blue check on Instagram at marriage therapy radio. So that'd be my, my favorite thing, but I'm Googleable. You can Google me on the YouTube or on, uh, my website, just zachbrittle.com. And, uh, but yeah, check us out on the Instagram at marriage therapy radio. And, uh, that's the rabbit hole. Cool, man. Yeah. We'll put all that in the show notes for our listeners, dude. Thanks so much for being here. It's been awesome. Connect with you again. Yeah. Uh, and we'll chat soon. My pleasure. All right, man. See ya. See you, bud. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the Evolve Marriage Podcast. Uh, for everything we do, check us out at evolvemarriage.com. Uh, if you are a man who feels more like roommates than lovers with his spouse, uh, and wants to bring it up, but does not have the skills to communicate about intimacy. Uh, I am running a 10 week sprint program starting in January. So if you are interested in having a conversation about that to see if it would be a good fit for you, um, I will add the link to the show notes so we can set up a time to chat. Uh, I'm looking for a limited number of men who are really looking to turn things around uh, in 10 weeks to give you some amazing tools. So if that interests you, go ahead and click the link and we can make some time to chat. Uh, otherwise, uh, as usual, share this episode if you've gotten some value out of it and you know somebody you think might also get some value. That always helps us out and it helps us spread the word. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Cheers.